Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. How many people love Ken and Jay John? Come on, can we put our hands together? And I've been so rude. Beautiful Killy John. Can you stand up? This is gorgeous. Killy John. Killy. Who really has been the secret source in the the ministry success. Yes. Yes. That's true. That's true. Do you want me to say more? No, let me, I'm going to give you opportunity. Behind any kind of um, successful minister, there's always a surprised woman. (laughs) Always a surprised woman. Oh, I love it. That's so true. Leanne Leanne lives in surprise. (laughs) Daily surprise. 24 years of surprises. All right, well, let me ask some, some of these questions. The first one is, how did you first get called into the ministry? How did you, how did you kind of first get called? Because, uh, you know, you've shared your testimony a few times. Yes. Powerful testimony. Very, very funny. Very humor. Like, what was it internally that, you know, obviously there's, there's that drawing from God, and then there's that, hang on, is that really me? How, how, did you, how did you kind of work your way through that to think, you know what, I, I feel that I'm called to be an evangelist, to be called to be a full-time minister? Uh, I became a follower of Jesus uh, on the 9th of February, 1975. Okay, And the next day, um, when I, w- I was walking to college, it was about a mile, I met a homeless man. And, uh, and I said to him, have you had breakfast? He said, no, I haven't. I said, well, look, I'll take you for breakfast. So then I, I took him for breakfast. And, uh, and I said, uh, where do you hang out? He says, well, you know where you met me? That's where I hang out in the morning. And I said, no, where do you normally hang out? He says, well, you know where you met me? That's where I normally hang out. And the, the, I was trying to work out whether he's telling me the truth or not. And I thought, well, if he is telling me the truth, that means Monday to Friday through September, October, November, December, and January, I walked past him, and I never saw him. And the, the first day I'm a Christian, I see homeless people. Wow. And, uh, and I said to him, look, I can't do this every day, but I said, would you like breakfast once a week? He says, I'd love breakfast once a week. And he says, can I bring my friends? And I was like, well, you know, you don't think that homeless people have friends. But I said, well, how many? Anyway, so we decided he could bring four friends. And so every Wednesday morning we started a breakfast club for the homeless people. And I said to them, look, I said, you can all have breakfast, but you've got to listen to me uh, teach you the Bible. Now, but you've got to, I'd only just become a Christian the night before at 10 o'clock. And, you know, nobody told me that you weren't supposed to do this. And uh, that was a joke. Thank God, thank God. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I started doing that. Then I went to college and I sat next to my friend called Richard Gamble. And I said, Richard, I became a Christian last night. He said, did you? I said, I did. I said, are you a Christian? He goes, oh, I don't know. I said, listen, it's really important that you know. And we're in the lecture, and I'm explaining it all to him. And I said, now, look, if you want to be a Christian, you've got to say this prayer. And uh, I said, if you can't, you don't say this little prayer, you can't be one. And um, so he said, Which all right, all right. So he said the prayer, and I said, right, you've got to come and meet this guy called Andy, who was the guy that told me about the Lord. Anyway, the point is this, Jürgen, the point is this, I was just doing it. I was just doing it, and then somebody said to me, oh, you're an evangelist. And I said, what's an evangelist? And they said, oh, you like Billy Graham. Well, 
I'd only just heard of Jesus. I'd never heard of Billy Graham. So I think sometimes you've got to be doing it. All right, everybody write this down. You've got to be doing it. Doing it. Most of us are waiting for the title, the, the captain's hat, the position, the stripes on our arm, the salary, the business cards, the website. Do it. Nike, the prophet. Yes. Just do it. Do it. Start doing it. And you'll, you'll step out. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. So, I mean, I love that. You know, uh, you said you'd walk past this homeless guy yes. for months. The day you become a Christian, you see, yes. you start seeing homeless people. Yes. Like, you know, again, just a little segue. Like if you had somebody on your staff in charge of pastoral care and you're at a Joel Osteen event and they're trying to get you to sponsor homeless children. Yes. And this person's not only in charge of pastoral care, but in charge of missions. Yes. And says, no, it's not a priority. What would you say to that person if hypothetically they were here on the front row sitting in between Kayla and yes. Emma? What would you yes. say to somebody like that? Like do, you think, that. do you think they might not even be saved? I know. Interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's on podcast. Ah! Oh, it's on podcast. I'm not going to mention any names, but her no, parents are in no. Ecuador. All right. How long, how long have you been in the ministry then? How long have you been in right. the ministry? Okay. I'm in trouble now, already. The thing is, about that question, how long have you been in the ministry? It, you're, you're kind of, look, we are, if we're followers of Jesus, we are all in ministry, aren't we? Whether, you know, you, we can't divide the secular and the sacred. Okay, so the question is, how long have I been full-time in the ministry, yeah? In that kind of sense. Well, 33 years. So I've just started my 34th year. Wow. So, and I'm still pumped. Come on, I love that. And I'm more, I'm as passionate Come today yes. as I was when I first started. Yes. Well, that's that's one thing that, that I noticed. And I'm going to ask you about that, that passion uh, in just a moment. But just, uh, you made a statement then that I really wanted to jump on. So, uh, you said, you know, we're all in full-time ministry. Yes. So let me ask this question. You're an evangelist. Uh, the, is this statement true? Hey, we're not really evangelists, so we're not really responsible for soul winning. We leave that all up to you. Or do you believe that every single Christian is responsible to win souls and make disciples? Okay, every Christian is a witness, Okay, every Christian is a witness. Uh, the, the question is, are we a good witness or a bad witness? We are a witness whether we like it or not. Okay, now in a court of law, you have a witness. The witness gets up and says, well, look, you know, this is what I know. This is my story. And in the court of law, you then get a barrister, you get a lawyer up, and the lawyer presents the facts in such a convincing manner as to make the jury come to a decision. Now, every one of us is a witness, but some of us are also lawyers. So I do both, and every Christian does at least one. That is brilliant. How succinct is that? So would you share, so just, just write that down. So we're all called to be a witness. And, you know, J. John said there are two. You could either be a good witness or a bad witness. There is a third. You could be a Jehovah witness. But, yes. you know, just one of the yes, two. Yes, that's right. Uh, but, okay, so how, how have you kept, because it's very, very obvious when you're around you, there's a passion, 
you know, it, it's contagious when you're around you. Like you, you passionately love Christ. It's obvious. You passionately love people. And you, you're very, you, I mean, in 33 years, knowing the ups and downs, the disappointments, yes. the setbacks, the personal struggles, you know, the letdowns, all of that kind of stuff, the warfare, the devil, all that kind of stuff. How have you kept your passion? How have you kept that fire alive? Like, like help us. Well, look, I think the danger in ministry is that you can have so many irons in the fire that you put the fire out. That, that's probably the danger is that, you know, you're constantly being asked to do things and you've got so many irons in the fire and you're putting another iron, another iron, another iron, another iron, woof, and the fire goes out. And what we need to do is to remove some irons and stoke up the fire. If we don't live by priorities, we're going to live by pressures. So we've got to kind of discover what our priority is. Tweetable moment. If we don't live by priorities, we will live by pressures. If our output exceeds our input, then our upkeep will be our downfall. Holy gee, come on. Can you say that again? If our output exceeds our input, then our upkeep will be our downfall. Genius. And I think sometimes many of us, our output exceeds our input. C.S. Lewis said, you cannot always be defending the truth. There must be a time to feed on it. Wow. Now, I, I like it where it says, you know, in John 17, Jesus says, I've completed the work the Father gave me to do. And I was thinking, John 17, you've completed the work. There's loads of work. There's masses of work. Why didn't you start at the age of 18 like most YWAMers? And, you know, because if he'd started at 18... He could have done 12 more years, and then that's three. He would have done 15 years, left us with a better church. In other words, what is Jesus saying? What is he saying? He, he's basically saying, God the Father doesn't expect me to do everything. I, not everything. It's like, what is it that I've been called to do? And... I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but this was something I only like realized this last year or so, that in the Garden of Eden, God walked. In the Gospels, the Son of God walked. The whole Bible, God only ever walks, except one place. There's only one place in the whole Bible where God ever runs, and that's towards the prodigal son. So God only runs to prodigals, the rest of the time he only walks. So the question is this, if, God, if God's pace is walking, why are we running? So we've got to keep in step with the spirit. In other words, not ahead, not behind, but keep in step. And God is not in a hurry. You see, we think God's in a hurry, but actually he's not in a hurry. And you know when Jesus said several times, Jesus says, my time has not yet come. When, whenever he said that, he used the Greek word called chronos, which means chronological time. Okay, But one day Jesus said, my time has come. That day he doesn't use the word chronos, he uses the word kairos. Kairos means God's time. 
So what we're all trying to do is to work chronologically to try and discern a kairos. And when you, when you connect with a kairos, everything accelerates. So you're, you're doing what you've been called to do, and you're, you're just wait, and then the, the kairos comes, and that's when we, we, we kind of go with it. So I think, you know, you've got to pace yourself. You've got to learn, you know, the older we get, uh, the more recovery time we need. And we don't always give ourselves adequate recovery time. We don't always give ourselves enough sleep. Uh, we, you know, we don't, we're always in a hurry. So it's really important. You know, God willing, if, if God's going to give Killian me another 20, 30 years, you know, I, I want to be able to say the same things in 25 years as I have today. So pace, keep in step with the spirit. Don't have too many irons in the fire. You know, I'm going to just dig a little bit deeper yeah. because, uh, you know, this podcast is not just so helpful for our staff and team, but, you know, going right into the podcast world, um, you know, one of the Ten Commandments is yes. the Sabbath. Yes. You know, and yet, you know, we kind of feel, well, you know, it's almost a badge if we transgress the Sabbath because we're so busy for the Lord. But yet, you know, we wouldn't do the same with adultery no. or murder. But no. yet, you know, but so... Uh, so uh, my, my thought as you were sharing that is uh, you, you seem to have uh, created a clearly mar- demarcation between driven and led. Yes. There are a lot of Christians who are driven sometimes by guilt or obligation. And, you know, we hear, we hear the, you know, the, the fiery uh, doom and gloom preacher. Jesus is coming back next week. You know, the Antichrist is risen. And, and uh, you know, we need to run for the hills. But before we do, you know, who have you led to Christ? And so, we, you know, we run out out of guilt or, or, you know, you're going to hell and hell is real. And so we, you know, <clears throat> but you've, met, you've been able to um, maintain what I would call a, a wonderfully healthy um, pace, cadence, and momentum. What 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 uh, warning signs would you give to people who are listening to this podcast who are maybe exhausted but feel that they need to be exhausted because that they're they're driven rather than led. Well, I think the key verse there, Jürgen, is unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Now, I think for those of us who are in ministry, that's probably the most depressing verse in the Bible. Because that's basically saying, God's basically saying, unless I'm in it, you're, out, you're absolutely wasting your time. Totally wasting your time. And so, Lord, are you building this? And, and I'm, am I... Uh, serving you, assisting you in building this. And otherwise, if I'm doing it in my own human strength, I will waste my time. And so if you just hold that thought and, and just reflect on that, it's a stress reliever. You know, the Lord's going to reveal to us what we should be doing. And we need to just do that. If, if he's got other instructions for us, well, he'll tell us. It's a bit like when you're first learning to drive. Uh, the, the driving instructor says, drive ahead unless I tell you. So you don't get to the next kind of section and go, what shall I do? What shall I do? I said to you, drive ahead unless I tell you. So I think sometimes, look, he's given us enough to drive ahead. It's up to God to reveal to us the next instructions. Brilliant. That is so good. That is so good. Come on, let's put our hands together. That was absolutely brilliant. So... Uh, 
no, nobody, nobody starts out in ministry uh, planning, hey, in, in a decade time or in five years' time, I'm going to have a massive burnout. I'm going to lose my marriage, my family, or I'm going to have an affair, or I'm going to you know, run off with the, the church coffers and live in the Bahamas. Uh, so, so one of the things that, that is a high priority is, is longevity. But, but when I look at you and Kelly, I don't just see longevity. I see longevity and incredible fruitfulness. I mean, you were sharing with us yesterday that you, you know, you've been filling churches all over the world for 33 years and you felt God released to you that the, the next phase for you guys is stadiums, that once again, the big football mm. stadiums. Yes. So that, that's, that's incredibly fruitful. Now, you haven't happened on that. That hasn't ha- come by accident. So w- would you just take a few moments and talk to, talk to us and, again, the greater audience listening on what, what are some keys that we can uh, apply to our lives for longevity? And I think, you know, mm. your balance of work and rest. Yes. But also fruitfulness. Like, you, you're so fruitful. Fruitful. How do we cultivate that? Well, okay. Uh, you you mentioned in your question a bit about people. You know, don't just um, you implied, yeah, uh, about maybe uh, uh, slipping in adultery or slipping in this area or slipping in that area. Uh, I I I think <laughs> I think that it doesn't happen overnight. I think there's been a history, and. And I think what we need to do, I like it where it says about um, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. He didn't sleep with her. Why not? Because God sees. That was the reason he didn't do it. When we stop thinking that God can see us, then our morality will affect our theology. And it's all about being so conscious that God sees me, that God sees, that God sees everything I do. And there's a, Paul, St. Paul said, avoid that which appears evil. Now, sometimes today, things are not always black and white. And a lot of things can be a little bit gray. And what Paul would be saying today is, avoid the gray. Avoid the gray. Don't just avoid evil, avoid that that might even look like it. Don't open the door, just don't open the door and, you know, let the enemy put the foot in. Just don't do that, get rid of that. And I I think it's essential that we are completely clean. Um, In one of the Beatitudes, it says this, the pure shall see God. Okay, the word pure in Greek is gatharos. The literal meaning of that word is no mixed motives. So who's going to see God? It's the people with no mixed motives. In other words, I don't have another agenda. I don't have, I don't have another, you know, I like, I don't know. You know, being, look, look, I, I honestly, this is really true. You know, we we had some ministry in in, um, San Francisco. We've got something else to do wherever it is in L.A., I don't know. And, you know, look, I I would be happy, I would be happy to come and see my, uh, with Killy, my friends, uh, Jürgen and Leanne. And as you know, I've got a special affection for them, especially for Leanne, particularly as she came to know the Lord when I preached in Wollongong. So there's a real affection there. Okay. If you said to me, hey, hey, Look, 
we've got your brother-in-law here this Sunday, uh, and so we're going to bounce you off the pulpit because we want him to do it. I'd be happy. He's so naughty. No, but the point, I, I honestly, Jürgen, what I'm saying is I honestly don't have any agenda. I, I'm happy. No, no, seriously. And I don't, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm just trying to like say to you, look, I'm happy to preach. I'm happy. I'm happy not to preach. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy not to. I'm happy just to have a coffee with these guys and then we'll go to LA. You know, it was like I've got no agenda. And and when you meet people, when you've got no agenda and you've got no mixed motives, when you meet people, you can smell mixed motives. And, you know, look, let's get this out. We don't want any agendas, no mixed motives. It's a pure heart. I've got, all I want to do is love Jesus, serve Jesus. That's it. You know, let me just dig a little bit deeper on that. Put your hands together. Come on, that's so powerful. On on the agenda, and the agenda is always driven by motives. And so, you know, the Bible says that every, every way to a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the motives. Oh, yes. We live in, uh, you know, in California where uh, the, the mantra is, don't let anybody stand in the way of your dreams. Don't let anybody stand in the way of your dreams. So what happens is, and I've seen this, you know, in 25 years of ministry, is that people will, uh, they, they, they will cross the, 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 the T's, dot the I's, they will, they will check the boxes but they, they come with their own agenda. You yes. know, they, they'll say, hey, I will serve and I will do. But really, my agenda is the platform. My agenda is the spotlight. My agenda is, you know, the worship lead. My agenda is the preach. My agenda is the leadership. How, how, how do you continually weed that out to keep that? that because I know that blessed mm-hmm. are the pure in heart aren't a select few of people. But it's something that, that uh, people have labored to weed out those things to to present to the Lord a pure heart. How, how do you how do we do that? I I, I get people. I, my PA said to me, I get I get probably a dozen requests a week just from evangelists and church leaders just wanting to come and see me. So obviously I can't see everybody, but I try and see you know who I can. And and generally. When uh, we, what I do is I often, we'll ask them a couple of questions and depending on their answers, we'll decide whether I'll see them or not. And, uh, but I'll end up getting a few people to come and see me. And it's very, very similar. So they'll come into my office. So it'll be a bit like, oh, so Jürgen, how can I help you? And then, and then the guy will say to me, I want to do what you do. And I said, well, what do you think I do? You see, and what they think I do, they think I play soccer for the big leagues and they're playing soccer, but they're in the minor leagues, but they want to play in the big leagues, you see. And then I'll say to them, ah, it's very easy. You only have to do two things. And they're like, really? I said, yeah, if you do these two things, you can be in the big league. And they're like, and I said, do you want to write it down? And because they're not, they've got no, you know, nothing. And and I sometimes say, shall I get you a pad of paper? And... um, and sometimes I have to phone my PA from my office to go and bring a pad of paper. And, and I, I do this little big build-up, and I say, oh, do you want to write one, two? There, one, two. And they're like, and they're like two things, and they're going to be in the big league. And I say, number one. And then I pause. Holiness. Number two. Humility. I say, I've got nothing else to tell you. That's it. 
Holiness and humility. That's it. That's it. Just do that. It's up to God what he wants to do. I, I love that. So on, on humility, because, uh, you know, that's a word that, that's, that's banded around a lot. And I think there are some, even some misinterpretations that humility is groveling on the ground. It's, no. you know, it's saying, hey, I'm just a worm. I'm no good. You know, you, you, you no. know in the, the, the medieval times where, where you had the, uh, the flagellants who would, you know, whip themselves sure. coming into town thinking that was humility. No. What, how would you describe would humility? Def- right, here's a definition. Because you're confident, you're De- strong, but yet I would call you humble. Right, definition of humility is the pa- um, past praise unto God untouched. Past praise onto humility God untouched. Humility is the past praise onto God untouched. Don't touch it. When it comes your way, don't touch it. Just pass it on to God untouched. So people will come and they'll praise me and I'll say, thank you. That's all I'll say. I'll acknowledge it. Thank you. And Lord, I just pass that on to you untouched. Well, because, because it was the Lord that anointed. It yes. was, the, you know, any gift that I've yes. got, yes. the Lord gave it to me. Yeah. He created yes. me in my mother's womb. Yeah. He has anointed me. He's the one that saves. He's the mm. one that heals. He's the one that delivers. So if somebody comes up and says, oh, J. John, amazing. You know, yes, I'm amazing. <laughs> well, then I've lost it. Pass it on to God untouched. Wow, and that's that's really if you look at the demise of Lucifer, because he was the anointed oh. cherub who covers. He was anointed, yep. positioned, gifted all by God yes. on the day of your creation. Yep. Pipes, timbrels. Yeah. But he would not. Ref- he would not pass it on to God. No. He wanted. He coveted it yep. for himself. So. Yeah. All right. Just and, looking, and it is oh, interesting on yes. that, isn't yes. it? The the lead worshipper in the whole Bible was Lucifer. Wow. He was the lead worshipper. So the worship leader fell. Mm. Wow. That's a warning, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I notice you're looking towards Andrew. <laughs> Andy. Just because he's got a Ukrainian wife. <laughs> All right. right uh, go on. We've only got time just for a couple of quick oh, ones. And then one of the ones I wanted end, to ask. At yes. the end, I want to read something as well. Could you please? So give me two minutes. All right. I'll give you two minutes. All right. Here's, here's a question. Uh and if you could help us, yes, I've always found it's so much easier to share the gospel with, you know, a stranger than it is with my with my own family. I know. And sometimes I think, man, is there something wrong with me? Why can I share all of this stuff with these people and not with people that, that I know or whatever? Yes. Can, can you can you maybe just again for us as a staff and team who desperately love our families and want to see them come to Christ? And again, for people listening out there on in yes. the podcast world. Well, you know, I I like it where it says uh, the Great Commission, um, the strategy of the Great Commission, going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. What did Jerusalem represent to the first disciples of Jesus? Well, that's where they they denied him. Uh, Peter denied Jesus publicly. Uh, Where were they at the crucifixion? They weren't there. Only John was there. So Jesus is implying, I want you to start in the place of your greatest failure. Now, where, you know, where is that for most people? It is family, friends, neighbors, colleagues. So if we're going to reach the world, we've got to reach our world. Yeah? 
And sometimes it's easier to bypass Jerusalem and go into Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And, but we've got to focus on that. And I think we need to see it that we have a responsibility. I think sometimes, we, we, maybe subconsciously, we don't realize that, hey, actually, if I'm going to reach the world, I've got to reach my world. And there has to be an intentionality. And I'm sure you, you may have heard me say this uh, at various C3 conferences, but m- m- my understanding of evangelism is simple. Three things, praying, caring, sharing. And, and unless we're praying, we're not going to end up caring. And unless we're caring, you know, you've heard that phrase, you know, um, what's that phrase? Uh, yeah, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, then we're not going to share. But I think the thing is, you're right. Sometimes with those closest to us, it's much, much harder. But we can at least be praying. And Killy and I, we pray every day morning and evening. Uh, We counted them, actually, about two days ago. Um, We pray for 32 non-Christians in our Jerusalem. So we pray for them every morning, every evening, and we're praying for them. And we're doing what they can. You know, one one of those is my mother. Uh, Now, I phone her every week. I live in London. Uh, My mum lives in Cyprus. Uh, uh, Now, I, I'm amazed at the number of people who like don't bother with their parents, you know. And it, you know, it comes to Thanksgiving, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know if I really want to go home." Do you know what I mean? And thinking, "Well, where do they live?" And oh, they live three hours drive away. What? So they don't live in another continent, you know? And it's like people aren't making the effort to pray, to care. And we're praying that God will send laborers to people. We're praying, look, if we can't actually do the sharing, we can still do the praying and the caring. So I think if you don't have that heart, then, of course, none of this is going to happen. Yeah, that is absolutely brilliant. You know, one of the questions we get asked all the time is, hey, what are you guys doing for missions? And at first, as a new church planter, I'm like, we've got to do stuff in Africa and we've got to do stuff in Mexico. But what we found here, there was this culture of people who live kind of like a fairly lukewarm Christian life 50 weeks a year. And then for two weeks, they go down to Mexico to build, you know, homes and orphanages and they're they're Christian superstars for two because nobody sees them nobody knows them and they're quoting the Bible and then they come back and they go back to their old lifestyle so we we made it very very uh, clear and apparent that no San Diego is our mission field absolutely Leanne and I are missionaries and this is our mission field our high schools our colleges our our communities Um, I agree and this is what I say right go on a missions trip go on a missions trip walk next door Brilliant. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear that? It, it, it's cheaper. And you, do, and you don't have to do fundraising. Oh, my gosh. You don't have to fundraise. Go on a mission trip. Walk next door. Walk next door. That can be your missions trip. So good. Come on, let's give Jay John a oh. great round of applause. Fantastic. Well, you wanted to, wanted to read yeah, something. So I why did. don't you read something? I, I was praying about this morning, and I know Jürgen said um, yesterday he was going to interview me, and I was praying about the meeting, and um, I felt I should bring a couple of things. Okay, these are not me, but 
um, two things I want to read. One, right, this one, there was um, a very influential church leader. He was a bishop called Michael Ramsey. And uh, one year, he sent all his church leaders this advice. Okay, and he sent them five bits of advice. One, thank God often and always. Thank him carefully and wonderingly for your continuing privileges and for every experience of his goodness. Thankfulness is a soil in which pride does not easily grow. So that was his first bit of advice to all his pastors. You know, and I sometimes think, you know, when people do this, one, two, three, and you're thinking, oh, that's, that's interesting that he chose that one as his first bit of advice. Um, oh, by the way, he sent this to them at the end of December as they began a new year of ministry. So he was advising them. Two, take care about confession of your sins. As time passes, the habit of being critical about people and things grows more than each of us realize. Wow. So his second bit of advice is take care about confession of your sins. Listen, don't leave anything lurking. Get rid of it. And if it means you need to confess it to, to someone else to break the hold or to God or to both. I think sometimes there's a bit of a, a let out. Oh, I've just confessed it to God. Yeah. You know, just get rid of it. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. Get help. If you're struggling with something, get talk to somebody. His third bit of advice was be ready to accept humiliations. Wow. It's like, no, I don't think I like that one. They can hurt terribly, but they can help to keep you humble. Whether trivial or big, accept them. All these can be so many opportunities to be a little nearer to our Lord. There is nothing to fear if you are near to the Lord and you are in his hands. Brilliant. So don't, you know, anyway, that's one for pondering. He's got two more. Four, do not worry about your status. Wow. There is only one status that our Lord bids us to be concerned with, and that is our proximity to him. That's the only status we're interested in. Our proximity to Jesus. And then his fifth bit of advice, use your sense of humor. Laugh at things. Laugh at the absurdities of life and laugh at yourself. Well, Jürgen doesn't have a problem with that. But interesting, five little bits of advice. And I want to end with this, right? This is a guy uh, called Lloyd Ogilvy. And uh, at the beginning of every day before he started ministry, he prayed this prayer. He wrote this prayer and he prayed it every day at the beginning of the day. Lord, here's my mind. Think your thoughts in me. Be my wisdom, knowledge and insight. Here is my voice. 
You told me not to worry what to say and how to say it. Free me to speak with silence or words, whichever is needed. Give me your timing and tenderness. Now, Lord, here is my body. Release creative affection in my face, my touch, my embrace. And Christ, if there is something I am to do by your indwelling presence, however menial or tough, control my will to do it. Lord, I am ready now to be your manifest intervention in situations, to infuse joy or absorb pain and aching anguish. I plan to live this day and the rest of my life in the reality of you in me. Thank you for making it so. And Lord, thank you for those words. And we want to echo them in our own hearts and say, yes, Lord, amen. We want to be people that keep in step with your spirit. Lord, we want to be directed by you. We want to have your wisdom. And Lord, I pray that for each of us, that you will give us all wisdom. And you will also give us all patience. And you will give us all courage. Lord, we pray that you will help us to live by priorities and not live by pressures. Help us, Lord God, not to have so many irons in the fire that we put the fire out. Lord, we pray for well-being for each of us in body, in mind and spirit. And Lord, Kili and I especially want to pray for Jürgen and for Leanne and the wonderful staff here that you will continue to grant them favor, blessing. Lord, that they may encounter many more Kairos seasons to see an acceleration of your church and of your kingdom. Lord, again, we pray for this weekend, for Martin Smith and the band. We pray for your grace to flow and that through that evening, many people here will tune into the melody of heaven. And we pray, Lord God, for Sunday and for all the services in all the locations. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So we pray your blessing upon us, Lord, the blessing of God the Father, the blessing of God the Son, and the blessing of God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Can we thank uh, Ken and Jay John? Wasn't that absolutely fantastic? Really quickly, uh, I'm going to make sure we get a, uh, get a copy of these for anybody who wants those. But Ken and Jay John, just really quickly, um, you know, not only listening to you, not only, uh, you know, sitting in your meetings over the years, have you greatly impacted Leanne and I, uh, but your books... If, if someone's you. listening on the podcast world, I mean, your book, The Big Ten. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That needs to be on every person's yes. bedside table. Yes. How, how does somebody who's listening out there, who's thinking, oh, oh I was so Killy. impacted. Killy. Killy, come on up, sweetheart. Books. Give me the books. How, how does somebody get them? Yeah. Yes. So if somebody, is there a website? Is there, How can people get them? Okay. 
thank you for asking me about my books. <laughs> okay, I'd like to mention this book. It's called The Life, A Portrait of Jesus. Today, a lot of uh, people are intrigued and interested in Jesus. But, and interestingly, there's not many books about Jesus. Now, if somebody is interested in Jesus, of course we want to get them to read John's Gospel. Yes. Uh, but you still, I suppose, need to unpack a lot of things. So I wrote this for people who are not Christians to explain who Jesus is how do we know he's the truth? How do we know uh, that he fulfilled the 322 messianic prophecies? How, why did he die? How do we know he rose from the dead? And, you know, a lot of Christians who read this book, Christians, they go, I never knew half of it. Wow. And I think that's real sad, wow. isn't it? So that book's on I Jesus. We might I would need to get that one and give it to every yeah. new Christian to get saved. Now, and then these are my three I've little booklets that I really do plug, and I know you know of these. Yes. I've written a booklet called Making the Connection, and um, I've done three versions. One is Making the Christmas Connection, Making the Easter Connection, and Making the Connection. And they're very simple little explanations uh, about what the Christian faith is, and it reinforces it, and it's little, you know, and... There's a verse in Peter, always be prepared. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, you just always have something in your pocket. And you'll always have an opportunity to give it out to somebody. And you can give it out with an invite to the church. It's an intentional thing. You know, if you just have a few of these, always in your handbag, always in your back pocket, you will always have an opportunity to give them yes. out. Brilliant. And Brilliant. So if you go to canonjjohn.com, all these are available. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Come on. One more time. Let's give him a great round of applause. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.